Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's show. I'm Lorenz Zaragoza, and I'm going to be your host this evening for the live podcast recording. This is a very special episode because we've got three different podcast crews coming together to talk about a very important topic. You've got the guys from God and Country, Just a Parishioner, and the Beach Catholic Podcast with Father Brian Barr. So we wanted to thank you for downloading today's episode. All of these podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and we encourage you to subscribe. Uh, another reason why this is special is because for the first time, we're recording in front of a live audience. So thank you to everybody for coming out. Uh, but before we jump into the episode, I wanted to take a second to introduce the panel uh, for this episode's discussion. Uh, first, the guys to uh, to my right over there uh, are the guys of the God and Country podcast. We've got Joe Ciora and Jordan Bernhardi. Um, guys, if you want to introduce yourselves and actually talk about uh, the premise of your podcast, God and Country. So, Joe, why don't we start with you? Sure. So, my name is Joe. I do a lot of the uh, tech stuff over here. Uh, you probably recognize me from that. Uh, so, yeah, our show is called God and Country, and we really started it because... Um, you know, the culture that we're in now is kind of a, not to be uh, blunt, but it's a little bit of an anti-God kind of a culture. Um, we go to Hofstra University, and uh, a lot of times you walk around that place, and it's like, uh, if you're the religious one, or you're uh, kind of like, um, you know, not in the, the campus culture, per se, you're kind of looked at as the uh, outlier, as the, uh, you know, anti of what, what the rest of the group is doing. So we kind of started this podcast to... Um, bring light to the cultural issues we have in our country and uh, kind of, you know, give a Catholic perspective um, of, what, of what we can do to kind of maybe shift that going forward. Yeah, I, uh, I, think, I, think Joe, I think Joe said it well, um, explaining the podcast. Uh, but again, Lorenz, thanks for having us here tonight. Uh, my name is Jordan. Uh, I, I'm on the God and Country show with Joe. Um, and, and yeah, basically a little... Uh, info on on God and country, kind of how the idea came about, it was really to, you know, provide a a, a source of information, kind of give our two cents with a little um, Catholic background to stories and, and topics that we see come up in society more and more, things in the news, um, things that you hear about from just people you talk to and and all things like that, we wanted to be able to provide a, a Catholic pers or perspective um, on things like that um, so we can apply what we believe to what we see uh, in real life. That's great. Uh, and th the best thing I love about your podcast, guys, is the fact that just from episode one, it was not politically correct. And I'm putting that in quotes, not politically correct. And I mean that in the best way possible uh, because there are truths about the church that are not politically correct, and I, I already love the, the route that you guys are taking with that, um, so keep up the great work, and again, thank you guys for coming on tonight. Thank you. Uh, the second podcast um, is actually a, a podcast that myself and my co-host, Sean Greeley, started, and it's called uh, Just a Parishioner, so um, Sean, if you want to introduce yourself and actually talk about what Just a Parishioner is all about. Yeah, thanks, Lauren. So my name is Sean Greeley. I'm the co-host of Just a Parishioner, as Lorenz mentioned. Uh, the whole goal of Just a Parishioner is to give a voice to, quote-unquote, Just a Parishioner, right? Everyday people in the pews, which at this point is what Lorenz and I both are. We're both involved in the parish, but at the end of the day, we're, we're just people attending Mass like everybody else. So um, we, so far, we've released, what, six or seven episodes uh, with 
guests coming on and sharing their own faith stories. A lot of, most of the time sharing kind of from when they were children through to whatever point they're at. We've had people that are around 25, 30 years old, a little bit older. We've had people, uh, one, one guest, one of the parishioners here, uh, Jerry McKay, obviously she's very well known in the parish. Um, and it's just awesome hearing people's stories and hearing how God has worked through their lives and then being able to discuss uh, some of the beautiful things about our faith with, with those people on the podcast. So, yeah, definitely encourage everybody to check it out. And um, also, if anybody would like to have a conversation about coming on the podcast, we would love to do that too. But, you know, we can talk about that after tonight. And, and Sean, what I love about your podcast is the hosts. Uh, Mike, let's... <laughs> I'm going to move on to uh, Mike Griffin. Um, Mike Griffin is a huge part of the Beach Catholic community down here. Um, obviously, the third podcast being the Beach Catholic podcast with Father Brian Barr, but we'll get to him after. But Mike, if you want to introduce yourself here and uh, your role uh, down here on the Barrier Island. Sure, Lawrence. I thought you were going to save best for last, but um, I thought that was going to be me, not Father Brian, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a Faith Formation coordinator down here. I work, uh, I've worked as youth minister with high schoolers uh, when I first came on board about six years ago. Um, and now I work with really primarily middle school um, faith formation. And uh, a lot of the evangelization efforts and discussions that I'm able to have with uh, the various staff here, along with Father Brian and the priests, um, that's kind of where I'm coming from. I'm also um, a teacher, so I've been a teacher for about seven years now. I used to teach at St. Mary's Elementary School up in Manhasset, and then a charter school in Queens, and now I've been at Chaminade High School for three years teaching freshman history, so that's a little bit about me. That's great. And then, uh, obviously, you know, one would say that we're saving the best for last, but that's up for debate. Uh, but we have Father Brian Barr here uh, from the Beach Catholic community. Um, now, Father Brian, obviously everybody here in the audience probably knows who you are. Most listeners probably know who you are. However, there's probably a listener or two who actually don't. So if you just want to introduce yourself as well. Okay, yeah. Uh, I've been uh, lucky to be a pastor uh, down here on in uh, Long Beach in St. Mary's for uh, eight years. I came, uh, came down here right before, a couple of weeks before, uh, Sandy, Hurricane Sandy. Uh, it was in St. Mary's for, I guess, about seven years or so, and then um, uh, about a year and a half ago, I became pastor at Miraculous Metal in Point Lookout, and then uh, back in June, became pastor in uh, St. Ignatius Martyr in on the, the western part of, of the island here. So, um, yeah, so I've been down 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 on, on the island for about eight years, and, you know, I think even that, that alone is kind of like, uh, you know, three one pastor three parishes like that's even a i guess sort of a it'd be an example i think of probably what we're going to be starting to jump into a little bit tonight um just kind of that's 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 the future i think it's the future in a lot of places it's the present in a lot of places as well but uh from my perspective it's been great i've, uh, I've loved being here and I'm, I'm loving being in all three uh, thank you. Uh, a great community down here with Beach Catholic. Two great podcasts. One is okay. I'm going to let you guys decide which one is which. Um, but definitely connect with us on social media. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Just a Parishioner or at Beach Catholic. Uh, you could also find us at Facebook.com slash Just a Parishioner or BeachCatholic.com. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, the reason we thought it would be a good idea to come together and have a discussion is because there's been an article circulating around this 
this community revolved around a question being asked across the country. And that question is, will Catholics ever return to mass? Um, and in the podcast itself, if you're listening, you'll be able to find a link to that article in the show notes below. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to kick it to you, Mike, and, and, and Father Brian. Uh, if you want to do an introduction into the article for those who haven't had an opportunity uh, opportunity to read the actual article, um, because there's some very, very startling things that come out of it. So, uh, Mike, if you want to go over that, or Father Brian. Sure. Um, I guess Father Brian and I came across this article um, I believe I sent it to him when I was just uh, searching through various uh, articles about the church. And it came across and it kind of just, it was very uh, kind of jolting, uh, some of the statistics that were in there um, about just church attendance and how um, about, I guess, pre-COVID, uh, mass attendance was at about 20% for Catholics. So 20% of Catholics were going to mass. And in, uh, during COVID, you know, once we came kind of into the summer, months when things were a little better some outdoor services were being offered and then we got to christmas uh, the high point was about like nine percent or ten percent and then as we got to christmas christmas is typically the high point during the year uh, about 65 percent of catholics make it to some mass on christmas eve or christmas day and this year i believe it was like uh 25 percent 26 percent so yes a lot of that has to do with the virus and people's um you know, comfortability with coming out to mass, absolutely. And I think it did vary throughout the country, depending on where you were. But just the trend of, you know, less and less people getting baptized, uh, less and less marriages occurring. Um, it was kind of like, you know, we always try to do the best that we can in terms of evangelizing. And um, Father Brian does a great job in terms of uh, the preaching and the music that we have here uh, at Beach Catholic and throughout the three parishes. But it was just kind of jolting and alarming, I think, right, Father, to see, to see those stats and that data about what's going on um, as a church as a whole throughout the country. Yeah, I mean, it was totally. It was a great. It was a great article. Uh, not a. It was. It was kind of tough to read and tough to to kind of to take in, but um, but very real. Um, I was thinking like uh, sometimes you you, you know somebody calls you, you get a call from somebody at home or somebody in town and they say that uh, this person just had a heart attack or had a stroke or, you know, some, some serious physical challenge. And, uh, you know, you hear it and you're like, oh my God, like, oh, that's, that's, you're startled. But then sometimes it, it, certain people, like say this person we're talking about, uh, you stop and you look at it and you're like, okay, well, they were, you know, they smoked two packs a day and they had, you know, crazy high cholesterol and high blood pressure and they were overweight and they didn't really exercise. And so like you're, like you're initially shocked and then you stop back and you say, wait a minute, like we shouldn't be shocked. Like this has been going on for a while. Like this person has been kind of neglecting their, their physical health for 25 years, so you know, almost almost the logical conclusion is, yeah, that person just had a stroke or whatever, you know. Um, and I think there was an element of that in this article, like the stats are jarring, you know. Where you know, you mentioned, um, Mike, uh, 20 percent. 
before COVID. Well, go back 50 years, and it was f over 50%. So if in 1970, more than half of Catholics went to church. In the, in the 50 years since, it's dropped at least 30%. Like, so like we shouldn't, like when, when, when we say now, like, oh my God, I've got, I've got a couple of kids, I've got four kids, and you know, three of the four never go to church, and you know, one of them goes once in a while, and we're, we're wondering about that. Like we we kind of shouldn't, shouldn't be shocked the way the person with the, the physical circumstances, like we've been, we have been steadily declining for half a century. Um, and I think what was great about the article was it just, it kind of crystallized it with a couple, a couple of key stats. It was like, bam, like this is where we're at. Like this is, here's the, you know, it's like the doctor coming out, sitting in the, in the office and saying, okay, this is what we're looking at. You know, here's are the, here's the results of the test and this is what we're looking at right now. It's not fatal, but it's serious. And where do we go from here? I think it kind of sort of a springboard for that conversation. Yeah, and, and that's something that we're definitely going to get to later tonight is, is where do we go from here and some actions. But before we do that, I, I want to talk about how we got here, right? You're talking about, uh, Father, you're talking about how we shouldn't be startled as to why it is the way it is. How did we get here? Uh, one thing that I always you know, kind of laugh at is, is the phrase, oh, kids these days, right? I always laugh at that phrase. Or, uh, you know, back in my day, or things like uh, society, blah, blah, blah. So, s speaking of society, I'm going to kick it to you guys with God and Country, Joe and Jordan. Uh, do you feel that the culture, not just today's, but how the culture has been evolving over the last couple of decades, has contributed to the decline in attendance uh, at, at Mass? That's a good question, Lorenz. Bad microphone. <laughs> um, the, the question was, uh, do I think that the culture has been contributing to the decline? I think so. Um, I think when, if you look at uh, like a, a community, for example, members of a community, when we talk about like church and, and the benefits of community, members of a community kind of hold each other up. They kind of hold each other accountable um, to, to standards. So for example, like if you're going to work out with somebody, it's easier to work out with somebody you know who can kind of like keep you in check, right? If you're, if you're doing it on your own, then it's, it's harder to stay up to date and to, to stay with it. Um, so I think you could kind of look at the culture in that way where if we don't have a culture that supports uh, the mission of the church or just resembles the church or has any element of God in it, if, if the culture isn't like that, then I think it's no surprise that, that the church is gonna go, go down. I, I think that absolutely the, the culture plays a role in, in this, yeah. So, so my follow-up question maybe to Joe would be, and again, we're, we're going to try not to make it a political podcast, but the reason I bring that up is because everything in today's culture is getting politicized, especially over the last year, right? Everything is getting politicized, and the church, 
I don't think the church, far from, uh, far from it actually, is immune to that whatsoever, Joe. Well, no, it's not. And, and they are, whenever, when people say, you know, that's political, I don't want to get political, well, eventually you're going to have to. You know? and, and that's not to say that you have to take a side left or right, but that's to say that politic is, is like of the society. That's what politic means. So if you're going to, to get into something like, well, the church needs to combat the culture, which we do, you're going to have to say, well, we have to get political. We have to take a stand on certain issues that through our church we know are right and wrong. And at the end of the day, there are situations where maybe we have to take a stronger stance on what is right and what is wrong. And maybe that'll be an example for the, society, the culture to say, wow, like they took a stand. Like when everyone else is running for the hills, the church is in the, in the streets. They're, the church is not to use the, the mask analogy, but the church took off their mask. They, they got their hands dirty. They, so yeah, so we, we went into a place where, uh, where um, it maybe might be uncomfortable or might be uh, uh, counter-cultural or not hip or whatever you want to say, but at least that's how you stand out. So, so to piggyback on that, Father Brian, uh, I actually want to ask you a question on culture and, and getting with the times. How would you respond to somebody who feels that the church needs to, quote unquote, get with the times? Well, I think it depends on what you're talking about. I think it depends on you know, the question and the issue. Um, probably in, in some aspects, certainly in some aspects, the church is a, is a human organization. So you're gonna have people within it who are not flexible and aren't good at you know, adaptation uh, and maybe dig their, their heels into the, to the moment. Um, there are other, but with it, within the same conversation, there are, there are uh, truths that you don't, you don't rewrite, you don't reform because they're, because they're true. Um, you know, the, the culture frequently, want, you, know, you know, doesn't even sort of want to accept that there are objective truths, truths from God. So if we believe certain things to be um, eternal forever, like you don't check the polls. You don't, you don't like the way politicians do. It's good to know what people are saying. It's good to know what the polls say so that we say, okay, well, we're not... I don't think we're doing a good job here of explaining the truth. Why do, why do so many people not accept this truth or that truth or this teaching or this, that principle? Uh, maybe some of it comes back on us. And no question in my mind, it, it comes back on us. We're Who, not, who's us? Uh, are, you talk, are you talking about the actual church itself? I'm, talk, are you talking about, I'm talking about Catholic colleges and universities. I'm talking about uh, Catholic education. Uh, religious education, Catholic grade schools, uh, preaching, you know, where we're just certain things we're, you know, either either afraid to kind of address or talk about in the classroom. Um, you know, I think, the, I think the, you know, the, 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 the influence of 50 or 60 years of, of, of secularism, of secular thought, has had an enormous impact on the culture. And the church is part of the culture. So, you know, we're not immune to it. So, um, you know, a Catholic college or university 60 years ago was different than a Catholic college or university today. Um, I, think, I think when we look at kind of uh, 
more or less statistics. Uh, this article kind of took me down a rabbit hole uh, to like the Pew, uh, Pew Research uh, Center, that their website, and just looking at statistics and data about um, faith. And there was studies done uh, in 1970, uh, basically asking people, what religion do you affiliate with, do you associate with? And in 1970, 3% um, of people uh, checked the box none in 1970, so they said they don't have any religious affiliation. So they're known as like the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. That was 3% in 1970. Fast forward 20 years to 1990, 6% um, checked off nuns. So you know, 3% increase over 20 years um, kind of makes sense. Fast forward to 2020, the percentage was 23%. 23% of Americans checked off none as their religious affiliation. It's the fastest growing religion in America, uh, the religion of the nuns, and those aren't the sisters that, um, that we're talking about here, the N-O-N-E-S. So clearly, if we look at the data, it's, it's very black and white. It tells us right in our face, like people are not affiliating, not just with um, Christianity, but any of the religions. And they say that you know, there's 26% of the population is Catholic, so the nuns will take over Catholics in the country probably the next five to seven years is what the data is saying, which again is just scary, and I think it is indicative of what we see um, in the culture um, that is kind of, um, like Joe said before, a little um, anti-God um, and anti-Catholic in a way as well. I think you, uh I think we need to find another word, but none, because it's getting very confusing. <laughs> 23% of the nuns are going to take over the Catholic Church. So that, that's, that's just if my... Only, if only. <laughs> and just to slide in, Mike, you can correct me if you saw different data, but I'm almost positive that the highest percentage of those N-O-N-E-S nuns are former Catholics. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's not like people of other religions. It's almost... It's a large majority, almost all former Catholics. And one for every one, for every one Catholic, every person that gets baptized, six Catholics leave the church. So think about that. So when a baptism's happening, my daughter just got baptized about uh, a month ago. Little plug for my daughter Virginia. Um, she got baptized. Six people left the church. Baptism happens. Six people left the church, and that's. Um, Again, I know jolting is a word I keep saying, but it's, it's a little scary to see where, where are we gonna be um, years from now if this continues, this trend. So, so we're talking about a, a lot of accountability as to why, uh, why we think this is happening. I am gonna come back to Mike and Father Brian about the church's role in regards to why we think the decline has happened because uh, I'd love to hear both of your perspectives on it. But I do want to jump into a couple of more numbers, and I'll, I'll talk to you, Sean, uh, because if we're talking about the Pew Research Center, Mike, in 2019, a report came out with the following statistics. And if, if you want to talk about jolting, th these are some of them. 50% of Catholics didn't know that the church teaches that the Eucharist is the actual body of Christ. Only one-third of Catholics actually believe in the true presence, so simple math sh would show that one-fifth of Catholics know what the church teaches, but don't believe it. And if you look at observant Catholics, right, the numbers are better, but not as hopeful as you think. So 63% of Catholics who attend mass at least once a week accept the church's teaching about substantiation, um, I pronounced that wrong, leaving the rest of thinking it's more symbolic than anything. And I can't even pronounce the word, Sean. Transubstantiation. So that was a typo. That's why. But um, yeah, that 
It's, it's terrifying, but it's not surprising. Um, I think, I mean, I was talking to my fiance about it, talking about that number, and, you know, I'm, I'm 27, she's 23, going on 24, so it's not like we're, we're old, but so we can both fondly remember back to college and high school relatively easily, and we both went to Catholic high school, and both of us were like, we had, I didn't believe that the Eucharist was the true presence until we got involved in campus ministry in college, and thank God we had a good chaplain on our college campus that helped drive that home for us. Like Father Brian said, I think there is a failure in education in general, specifically in Catholic education, but I think for a normal parishioner, the biggest thing that you have to ask yourself is like, am I one of those people that really doesn't believe that? Because if you are, like the numbers you just went over, there is a huge percentage of people who are in the pews every Sunday who don't believe that Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist, which is what the entire Catholic faith is founded upon. And if that's not true, that makes Jesus a liar and we really shouldn't be worshiping him. Um, But it is true. And that's something that we really need to, I I don't know, like in general, the, the church needs to drive it home. That's so hard to specify, but I think, you know, we can talk about ways to do that, but it really comes down to at the individual level, am I convicted in my faith of that? And what does that mean for how I'm going to live my life and how I'm going to try to convey that faith to others? So like as, as just a parishioner, I think to myself and, and I think if, if I truly believe that Jesus Christ is present in the Eucharist, would I ever miss mass? That's the question that I ask myself. Would I ever miss Mass if I truly believe that Jesus Christ is in the Eucharist? And then we have to ask that question. And looking at these numbers, I think this is a huge indicator, a huge indicator as to why. Why the numbers are dropping. Because if people truly understood and knew that Jesus Christ was in the Eucharist, I don't think the numbers would be this low. Honestly, um, so but I am going to kick it back to Mike and Father Brian and ask one question to wrap up this segment as to why we've gotten this way. We've talked about a couple of reasons, but are there any more reasons that come to mind uh, to say that? Uh, t- let me let me rephrase it. Are there things that you think the church has done or not done that has aided to the decline in mass? I think um, I think there's a sense of a, a lack of. Um, in some parishes, uh, lack of personal connection and community, uh, where uh, that's something definitely we have felt during COVID. But uh, personally, for me, growing up, you know, my family we we went to church every Sunday, but we went there, we sat there, we stood when we were supposed to stand, we sat when we were supposed to stand, we knelt when we were supposed to kneel, and then mass ended and we went home. And I think for a lot of Catholics, that's um, what the church is, is it's this, this passive um, participation. Um, and I think community is such a, an important aspect of, of parish life. Um, and I think that's a reason why some people, and there's um, surveys that have been done where someone wrote, um, you know, I, I left the church, um, I stopped going, and after a month, you know, after two months, not one person ever knew I was gone. Like no one reached out to me, no one even realized that I was gone. Um, and that there, there wasn't that sense of um, belonging to the parish that per- is what that person kind of felt. So I think engaging the community as much as we can is, is, is so important and the reason why some people um, leave and some people just slowly drift away as, as they get older. Um, or even uh, for the confirmation program, the other statistics say that the average age that someone leaves the church is 13. 13 or 14, and that's when they get confirmed, when they quote unquote get graduated from the Catholic Church and, and they're gone. So um, I think those are two, two, two reasons. Um, I think community is something that should be focused on and um, 
the fact that um, I forgot my second point. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean fa <laughs> Father, would you agree that this sense of community or this lack of community from the church um, is, is because of the church, you know, differentiating from uh, now and when you were a kid back in like the 1920s? <laughs> I think um, he just totally ignored that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, you know, Mike, you just talked about your parents the family you grew up in and the connection between them and your faith. Um, you know, if you have people in your life who, are, who, who strongly believe in something, especially when you're a kid, if you've got adults in your life, significant people who, who fundamentally believe in something, Maybe you're passionate about it, maybe not even passionate about it, but you know they believe it. Um, that's enormous, like that's enormous. I mean, I'm thinking of growing up, you know, for more than a few years in, in, in the parish I grew up where I don't, it wasn't a, a particularly inspiring parish. Um, you know, uh, it, it, more than more than a few, many a lot a lot of times you went and you were kind of there and you know it was the music wasn't great and there wasn't maybe a great sense of community and then the homily was, was like root canal and you just were like but you knew your mother believed in this and you knew your father had strong faith or your grandmother or your whomever. And, and that had an enormous impact. You know, I mean, I've said this a million times, you know, growing up, we, when we, we had a little summer house upstate in the middle of nowhere that the nearest church was about a half hour, maybe 25 minutes away. And we'd go up on a Friday night and we'd leave on a Sunday afternoon. And on Saturday night, we'd get in the car and drive down and go to mass. And it was just like, none of us wanted to go you know, probably, certainly, I'll speak for myself, but, you know, my parents knew on some real level, we have to do this, we, we need to do this. Do we really want to do it this night? You know, maybe not, but we know, we, we know it's true and we know it's necessary. That, it seems to me, that trickles down. If you don't have that, you know, if you're growing up in a family where, you know, it's totally negotiable, it's, you know, we go when we can, the church is present to us when we need it to be, and, <clears throat> you know, then I think you're going to see the effects of it. So, so anyway, long, long answer to, I think, family life, you know, kind of connected to community. Um, part of it is the church, no doubt. You know, it's like when we don't, when we don't, when Sunday morning isn't a great experience when you don't come out of mass sort of pumped and thinking, you know, you're kind of like, you know, you, you've been challenged to think about something in a different way, maybe once in a while made uncomfortable, maybe once in a while sort of even irritated because the gospel is irritating and challenging at times. Um, you know, once in a while kind of almost being drawn to almost tears because of incredible music. Um, when you don't have those things, and if you have a fa you came from a family where yeah, none of that, this stuff wasn't like a, a given, throw that in the pot and stir it up, and I think you're gonna you, it's, you're gonna have a 
not a not a super faithful result. Father Brian, I'll, I want to pick your brain too. Like, I think, um, I mean, Joe and Jordan were talking a little bit about cultural stuff, and you know, you're you're more seasoned than us up here, but maybe you can speak to it. But you can uh, you can kind of sense right that there's this lack of respect for authority right among younger people you know a lot of my own peers we literally just made jokes about his age like five minutes ago but well that's not a lack of respect that's just a poking fun but um but that being said outside of the lack of respect for authority there's also among people who are supposed to command authority especially i think parents a lot of the time just seeing like people that i was growing up with um the way my parents my parents were I love my parents, but they definitely, you know, laid down the hammer when they needed to. They were very uh, authoritative when they needed to, meaning that they were parents. They they told their kids what to do, and the kids listened, right? Um, and I think now there's almost like a fear of that in, in general, and I think we see it with a lot of the stuff where, you know, people don't respect physicians. They go on WebMD and find out what's wrong with them. They don't respect police officers. They think they're criminals. They, I mean, fire fighters. They've they've pretty stayed pretty clear so far. So thank God for that. But um, I think um, I, I think there's almost this cultural sway where it's like, well, and I'm speaking. I'm not a parent, but I'm speaking as I think some parents think is, well, my kid isn't happy when he's in mass. He's pretty bored and he, he doesn't really get much out of it. And you know, he's he's 12 years old now, so I think he's old enough to be able to tell if he really believes in God or not, and if. If it doesn't really matter to him, then, you know, it's not a big deal if he doesn't come with me on Sundays. Maybe he'll probably still get confirmed, so that's all that really matters. And, and, uh, you know, if he decides to stop going after that, then who am I to say anything about it? Um, Does that sound accurate? That kind of, you know, that's like a very minor example. It definitely sounds accurate, like uh, kind of tragically accurate. Um, Yeah. I got. I just lost my train of thought. I was going to well, say I something. Well, I think it's. I think it's. I, I just did that before, so I'll pick up where you are, Father Brian. I think it's also. I, and I. I see this amongst high schoolers and middle schoolers that I teach, and that I'm around. It's you know, a lot of people's views and young people's views today is you know, no one can tell. Like I, it's like this individualism. I can decide what's right. I decide what makes me happy. And if the church is teachings doesn't make me happy and goes against what I want for me then the church is wrong, not me. Um, I don't have to conform to what the church is. The church needs to conform to me. And I think that's a reason why some people um, get turned off by the churches because they struggle with one or two of the teachings and they say, I'm not going to church anymore. I'm done, I'm never going back. And uh, when we did pre-Cana a few weeks ago, uh, we said, you know, it's kind of like a, a family member. You know, there's, I have a twin brother. There's plenty of things I don't like about my twin brother. He's my best friend. Um, but if, if we have an argument or discussion, I don't say, I'm never talking to you again, I'll never see you again. I would never do that. Um, and I think we need to kind of teach that with the church as well, is we can't, just because people struggle with one teaching uh, or a certain sin doesn't mean that you're not welcome here. Um, and that's not what the church stands for at all, but I think that's a misconception that people have about the church and a major reason why especially young people um, aren't coming in the doors so much is because they view the church as um, this in this way of like going against what I want and what the culture tells me. You know, I think, um, you know, kind of go back to the parent question, the parent factor, like if, 
if that kid, Sean, who said, uh, you know, that seventh grader or 10th grader said, I just don't want to do this, I'm not going to do this. If he said the same thing about school, like graduating, I'm, not gonna, I'm just not going to go to school anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'm a sophomore in high school and I just don't want to, you know, I can't imagine too many parents out there saying, uh, okay, like I'm, I'm just not up for the fight. I'm not up for the, like you say, no, you, you have to do this. You have to do this. Um, and I think in another time that, that was done with, with, with faith and church, it's certainly still done with something like school because of just the, the repercussions, how your life would be affected if you, if, you're not, if you don't have a high school degree. Well, like, shouldn't we say the same thing? Like, how, how, my, life will, how my kid's life will be affected if, if he or she doesn't have faith. Now, it's way more complicated than, so you gotta go and be quiet. Like, I think we've, we've gotta do a better job, and parents do, and the church helping parents in communicating, like, why is this a deal breaker? Like, why is this, why must you do this? Instead of, you know, be quiet and get in the car, we're going to church. I mean, bottom line, I guess, yeah, it's that. But way before that, it ought to be, this is why, <laughs> we won't miss this and we have to be here. Even when we don't want to, even when it doesn't really do much for me, like a marriage, like a friendship. It's not always something you, know, you get from. Like sometimes you gotta just be present and you gotta give. Um, some reason, maybe in these last 50 years, those stats, it's like that kind of shifted. Like it was, like I didn't ever even really debated not going to church when I was 16 because it just would have been such a non-option. It would have been a non-option. If it's an option, like, then I would have entertained it. I remember how shocked I was when there were like four kids from my confirmation class in 10th grade who did, like, didn't follow through with it. We had two years of confirmation prep. Like second year, four kids didn't show up. And I was like, where's Mike? And somebody said he's not coming. I was like, what, what, what just happened, you know? Um, and granted, I came from a family where, like you said, that was non-starter. That wasn't even a conversation that could be had. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like we talk about the, the regulations uh, of, of, you know, that are put upon us, maybe we feel like by the church and things like that, and the rules and everything. Uh, Pope John Paul II said, he, he really spoke about this perfectly. He said, essentially, that, you know, the church may be seen as this big authority uh, full of regulations and and crazy rules and everything like that, but that's that's not what it is. It's it's the path to love. It's it's the path to salvation. Um, and once we see it as that, once we see it as as the truth for what it is, then it it pretty much, you know, it, it makes all the rules and regulations, so to speak, fall into place and and make sense. Um, but if we see it as just rules and regulations, then ultimately, um, you know, that's what it's gonna seem like to us. But once we, once we understand and we realize that, you know, this is the path to love, this is the path to salvation, uh, to God himself, then it all falls into place. So, so I, I'm sorry, Father Brian, do you wanna say something? Well, yeah, just uh, a little bit connected to, you know, Mike, Mike's uh, previous point. Um, about family and you know, like, yeah, this thing's about, you know, there's crazy people and every, we all have crazy people in our family, but you don't forsake your family. I mean, I, um, 
I was watching a documentary for, I guess, Black History Month. It was a documentary on Jackie Robinson. and I love him, and uh, I think I know a lot about him, um, but this was a documentary I hadn't seen, and it was just so, like, hearing about the way he was treated in the, 19, the late 1940s in this country was like, it was just so, for somebody who never witnessed that, it was so shocking and disgraceful. Like, how could that have... How could that have happened, well, ever, but how could that have only been however many years ago that was in this country, this great country? And like, there are reasons to not like our country. Like, and even today, things that, things that, we, that we allow in our, in our, you know, we've gotten better in that area, but there's lots of other areas where we've gotten worse. Um, you know, I don't renounce my citizenship because abortion is legal in this country. And I'm, 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 I'm sickened by that, but I don't, I don't step away and say, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna join another country. Um, but we are so quick, it's your point, Mike, we are so quick, people are so quick to do that with their relationship with the church. It's like pass-fail. It's like you take a pass-fail course. It's like, it's very simple. So no, you either pass it or you fail it. I'm either part of it or I'm not. It's like, well, how about I'm a part of it and I, and I struggle with this the way I do my country and my family, but I still see the absolute truth to it. Um, and I'm not walking out because I've got problems with it. Anyway. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we just spent a lot of time talking about how we got to where we are today. I, I wanna take a few minutes to talk about if we continue this trend, what it may look like, or our opinions of what the church actually may look like if we continue in this direction. Uh, it's already happening. I mean, Father, you said it perfectly in your introduction. For seven years, you were the pastor for St. Mary of the Isle. Last year and a half, or last year, you were, you're now the pastor for three parishes. Again, none closed, praise be to God for that, but it, it, it's a term called yoking, but that's, that's what happened, right? What happened is now you, you're in charge of not one, but three. Mike, uh, we talked about this. Uh, two Catholic elementary schools here on Long Island closed this month, and that's a total of five in the last year. Extremely sad to hear that. It's happening right now. Um, Joe and Jordan, I'm gonna go back to you guys because we spoke about it for a little bit, but in a time where the church and faith are needed the most, not only is attendance declining, but it seems like in many pockets of the culture, being a person of faith is frowned upon. So the, the question I'm gonna pose to you guys is, do you think that there is a scenario where the church might not even have a place in this culture? Well, so it's it's tough because so today I I, uh, I got into an argument with someone on a cultural issue, um, and the the, arg the counter argument they were they made to me was well, you know, you know you're religious and and you're imposing your religious view on people like me who may not agree with with that, and it was a, it was a moral question, so so I was like. You know, we grew up in the same time, we grew up in the same county, we went to the same Catholic high school. How do we not have the same morals? Like, you go to school for four years and we don't morally agree on, on what's evil and what's good anymore, what's perverse and what's, I mean, that's insane. So, so to answer your question, will there, be a, will, be, will there be a time where, you know, 
being religious or, or being of the church is frowned upon, I think we might be there, but I think there's hope in that because from that we can only find who's serious about this and grow from there. So uh, well, I don't want to sound like we're, we're, we're screwed over here, but you know, we're, there's hope. Uh, we'll say well, there's hope in, in certain situations. Yeah, the good thing in there is you try to surround yourself with like-minded people, and I'm, I'm not saying that into the position of being a snob and being close-minded, but when it comes to things that we feel or know are truths because of our faith, then yes, I think it is important to surround yourself with like-minded people. Uh, but Jordan, again, the same thing. It's, it's, I think we are at the point where some people may frown upon the fact that you have a certain, not even just a Catholic faith, but just a faith in general. Um, what are your thoughts in regards to, is there a place for the church in 25, 30 years? Well, I think there is, and I think you're right. I think we're, we're pretty much at that point. Um, and, and the question becomes, well, what do we do? Like, what do I do as a person when I'm met with these challenges? And I think the most important thing you can do is stay strong, like stay strong in your faith. Because once you kind of start to lose sight of it, that's when it all starts going downhill. Um, Joe, you were, you were talking about the hope. Um, yeah, there's absolutely hope for sure. Uh, but we also, we can't just sit back and, and, you know, do nothing about it. Like, we have to, you know, have an active prayer life, take an active role in the church, and, and stand up for what the church believes in, our morals, like Joe was talking about, and just live it out. You know, um, we say that the, the church is the most important thing, that the mass is the, is the most important thing we can do. Well, we gotta live like that. And, I, and, and I'm not saying at all that I am perfect because I am far from it, um, yeah. as we all are. But we should always, and I think we always have to be, trying to be better um, so that there is hope. Yeah, and I think that's a great, because next episode we are going to be talking about you know things like calls to action, things that we should be doing, and and I love how you said it. It's like we, not not you, not you the listener, yep. not you in the audience. We, everybody up here, uh, talking about it. You know, we're we're not professionals, but we all need to do these kinds of things together, and we are going to jump into a lot of those things in the next episode. Um, Sean, I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think? the average parishioner's biggest fear should be um, if these numbers continue to go the way that they're going in regards to attendance in mass and, and all this? Well, on a personal level, I mean, kind of what Joe and Jordan are referring to, anybody who holds any view that there is an objective truth, not even just that God or the Catholic Church is the objective truth, but anybody who believes in objective truth is kind of at odds with a lot of the way things are right now and will continue to go for the foreseeable future. Um, I mean, the, the cultural relative, relativism, right, that everybody kind of defines their own truth is non-logical because if everybody's defining their own truth, then your truth is what you're claiming to be objective and you expect everybody to live to that, but everybody is doing the same thing, so nothing's ever going to mesh. So if you have, a, I mean, being a Catholic means holding true objective truths as the most valuable things in your life, um, that God exists, that Jesus Christ is God, that Christ died for my sins and it can save me and that I should live my life in accordance with the way he taught so that I can spend eternity with him in heaven and I should try to bring as many people with me as possible. That's the basis of the Catholic Church, but you will be persecuted 
for that. Now, that's something to be afraid of, for sure. And, you know, the greatest saints in the church, a lot of the time, underwent that persecution. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's going to be, a, for people that try to really live out a radical faith, there's going to be so much ostracization. That's a tough word to say. Uh, ostracizing going on uh, in their lives. And um, it's... I think that's probably it, but really the biggest, the, the real fear is a loss of faith. For somebody who has faith, it can be so easy to just capitulate to things going on around you and to make little allowances here and there. You know, Father Brian brought up the, the, the abortion issue and the pro-life issue. It's like, okay, well maybe it's not good, but like maybe we can allow it sometimes, or like maybe if it's this many weeks or whatever, it's okay, or you know, something like, uh, execution for criminals. It's like, well, if they did this crime, maybe it's okay. It's like, no, life is life and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be done. You know, um, it's easy to capitulate when there's a lot of social pressure around you. And the biggest fear for our eternal souls is the, the loss, the, the potential loss of faith that can come along with that. Yeah, so uh, I guess Mike and father Brian, do you think it's, and the, before we close out tonight and clo close this topic, do you think that it's dramatic to say that the biggest fear that we should have as a church is, again, not, oh, I might have to drive 20 minutes as opposed to five minutes to mass. It's the fact that we're, we're losing souls because of it. Is it dramatic to, to say that, or, or would you agree? I just want to hear both of your thoughts on, essentially, uh, Sean's perspective on that question. Yeah, I think when we look at uh, like the schools, for example, um, like I, I went to Sacred Heart in North Merrick, and when it closed, like I, I couldn't believe it. It was like a shock. And then, um, like you said, five schools in the last year to this past month. Um, it is it is scary to think about the future, but I think there there was um, these bishops that answered this other survey. I'm a big survey guy. If you haven't if you haven't uh, gotten that yet. And the, the bishop said, what worries them the most about the future of the church um, is its young people and growing away from the church. Um, and then the second question was, what's your biggest hope? What's your biggest hope about the future of the church? And they said, it's our young people that are with us and how engaged that they are. And at the end of that article that um, we shared, it's at the bottom, Pope Benedict says, you know, the church is going to get smaller. Like, it, it is going to get smaller, um, but it's going to be people who are extremely engaged, who are, ex uh, who are true believers and on fire with their faith, and sure, it's going to get smaller, but those people are still going to continue to, to evangelize and, and believe in, in the truth of Jesus Christ and, and what, our, what our faith um, brings to the world. You know, you mentioned that. This, this art, uh, it, the article we've been kind of talking about uh, and then, Mike, you just mentioned specifically this quote from uh, Pope Benedict. Uh, this is, I'm just going to read the quote because it's just kind of remarkable and prophetic. I think this was 19, I think it was 1968 or 1969. Um, 1968 or 69. And uh, so the future Pope, he's in Germany, he's a theologian, uh, Father Ratzinger. Um, he's, it was, I think it was an interview, like a radio interview. Uh, and he's being asked about the future of the church. And this is like 50, however, 52 or three years ago. And he says, from the crisis of today, 
The church of tomorrow will emerge, a church that has lost much. She'll become small and will have to start afresh, more or less from the beginning. She'll no longer be able to inhabit many of the edifices she built in prosperity. As the number of her adherents diminishes, so it will lose many of her social privileges. In contrast to an earlier age, it will be seen much more as a voluntary society entered only by free decision. As a small society, society, it will make much bigger demands on the initiative of her individual members. And then the guy who wrote this article, Eric Sammons, he concludes, he says, this is the age we are now entering and we need to act like it. Like, that was 53 years ago. Um, like, so much of what he described has played out. It's, it is today. It's so much of what we're describing. So, you know, uh, right-sizing becomes sort of like a, a frequent concept, like, okay, yeah, the church 75 years ago was privileged in this country. And we had power, we had influence. Look at our architecture. Look at how many churches there are, you know, in, in, in the certain amount of, of miles. Um, you know, maybe in some respects we were, we were bigger than we needed to be, and the reality now is like we're, we are kind of, the culture, the culture 75 years ago supported, you know, the values of the culture, many of them supported the values of the church, so we were just, we were in, like we just had so much influence. Um, it's exactly what he talks about here, like we won't have the influence, but then he talks about just how, and those who really want to be a part of it, more will be expected of them. You know, when we say, you know, we, the question way back, like, don't we need to, maybe we need to adjust to the times. Where we need to, we should, but where we, where we, we shouldn't, we can't. And when that happens, probably the effects of that in the short term will be, yeah, it'll be a smaller church for, with people who have rolled up their sleeves and their hearts and they've committed themselves to it. And lots of the people around them or the generation before who would have been on board won't be. They won't get married in the church. They won't have their kids baptized. Um, they certainly won't go to church. They won't support the church. It'll become smaller. Hey, maybe in some respects, that's not a bad thing, you know. Maybe, no, without question, at times in our history, like when we get into trouble, it's when we get into bed with power and wealth and we become corrupt. You know, so maybe, you know, that's why, that's why people like Francis of Assisi were God sent, I think, heroes because they, they, they came to just clean up a church that had become bloated and almost indistinguishable from the power structures and in the world. That is not what Jesus wanted or intended. So maybe some of this, this is kind of like even like the hope question, like, yeah, hey, if I had a couple of kids right now and none of them were going to church, I'm not gonna be hopeful about that. I'm probably losing sleep about that because the question about our souls and you know eternal questions like, what is the, 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 the spiritual health of, my, of people I love and concern about that? So I get that, but maybe this is just the reality. This is, I think what was so great about this article was 
it just communicated what is. And it was like, no, this isn't st enough with this theory stuff. This is where we are at. Um, so let's, let's like kind of acknowledge it, and then and then and then and then, and then get a game plan. Good. I, I think that's I think that's a perfect way to end uh, this portion of the discussion. Uh, we've gone over a lot of information, guys. A lot to think about, even more to pray about. Uh, but the discussion is not over yet. So, um, for the listeners out there, thank you for downloading this episode. Be sure to look out for part two of this discussion, where we'll be talking about how we feel we can stop the bleeding, uh, the actions that we think need to be taken, all the way from the Vatican down to each one of us as parishioners. Uh, the best way to ensure that the episode is, is uh, that you get that episode is by subscribing to the podcast, uh, Just a Parishioner and the Beach Catholic Podcast. Um, so don't forget to connect with us on Instagram at Just a Parishioner and at Beach Catholic. Again, you can find God and Country on the Beach Catholic feed as well, uh, or you can reach us on Facebook.com slash Just a Parishioner or BeachCatholic.com. Thank you guys for listening. Definitely appreciate it. We're praying for you. Please continue to pray for us.